0: We're marching uh, together through Joshua, and uh, we're in Joshua chapter 6, the fall of Jericho. Jericho was a stronghold, a fortified city with its own king. It was the gateway, the entrance into the promised land. It stood this stronghold, therefore between God's people and the promise God had given them. They would have to bring this stronghold down if they were to enter into all that God had promised. It was a barrier between the people and the blessing that God had promised. The stronghold of Jericho stopped them moving into all that God had for them. And we're told in verse 1 of chapter 6 that Jericho was tightly shut up Because of the Israelites. And no one went out and no one came in. It stood defiant. It was defiant in its disobedience. Remember a a few weeks ago we talked about how wicked this city had become. The abuse in this city uh, had reached extreme proportion. We wouldn't read about the depths of its depravity even in our newspapers today. It stood defiant in its obedience. It was defiant against God and against God's purpose. Sometimes we have strongholds in our lives too. Areas of our lives that stand defiant against God and his purpose. A stronghold in our lives that must come down if we're going to enter fully into what God has promised A stronghold that must be defeated if we are going to fully know God's blessing in our lives. In order for the Israelites to enter the land, all the strongholds would need to come down. Jericho was the first and most significant, but one of many. And if you want to fully enter into God's promise in your life, all the strongholds will have to come down. So, what are yours? What are the strongholds in your life? What things are in your life that stand between you and what God has promised? What things in your life prevent you from receiving everything that God wants to give you? Maybe a personality trait, a temper or anger, an insecurity, a failure, a disappointment, a regret... A hidden sin, a wrong relationship, a long-standing bitterness, a painful memory, an overbearing worry, an uncontrollable anxiety. It might be the way you think about yourself. It might be something you won't let go of or give up. It might be something you hold on to that you know you shouldn't. It might be something you haven't yet grabbed that you know you should. Whatever it is, it's existence in your life and mine stops us moving further into God's promise. That's what strongholds do. A stronghold stops you moving further into God's promise. Unless the walls of Jericho fell, they would have gone no further. And unless the walls of our strongholds fall, that are probably just as tightly shut as Jericho was, that are probably in their own way just as defiant against God as Jericho was, unless the walls of our strongholds collapse, we'll go no further into God's promise. Do you want everything God has for you? If there is a land flowing with milk and honey that God has prepared for you, do you want to go there? I don't mean heaven, I mean here on earth. If there is this place of blessing and purpose that God has planned for you, do you want to go there? And if you do, it's probably time some strongholds fall to help you move closer to God's promise in your life. And as the people of God camped on the plains of Gilgal, they would have looked up and seen this mighty city And it was for them the first stronghold that needed to fall. Where are you sitting today? And as you look up, what stronghold do you see? The next one on the horizon that must fall if you're to go further into God's purpose in your life. I've been talking for about five minutes and already some of you, maybe many of you, know what your Jericho is. You know what the next stronghold is that must come down if you're to go further and deeper and onwards with God. Maybe you've known for a while what that stronghold is and you've never reached the place of actually doing something about it. Maybe in these moments God has and is bringing something for you into sharp focus. Either way, it's good news. It's good news because God has brought you to this place to get it down. That's what we believe together, don't we? As God leads us. God did not bring his people to the plains of Jericho to remain camped with a defiant stronghold towering over them. And God has not brought you to this place to leave you there either. Now there's great news for all of us in the face of these strongholds. The Lord said to Joshua, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. God can deliver us from strongholds. Hallelujah. You say, Simon, you don't understand. You don't understand this thing in my life is too big. I have struggled with it for years. I have fought against it, I've wrestled with it, I've tried to ignore it, I've sought all kinds of advice about it, I'm totally worn out by it, to me it's impenetrable, I'm beaten. And you're probably right, you are. And that's a really hard place for you to be today. And as the community of God's people, it's a hard place for us to recognize that as individuals and as a community, there are still things in our lives where we're beaten. And we feel our own pain of that, and we hear and feel one another's pain in that. In those areas of our lives where we feel defeated and crushed. But, and it is a big but, where you are beaten, our God is can win. And where you have failed, our God can succeed. God can bring your stronghold down. The city of Jericho was one of the oldest cities in the world. In some places, its walls were 20 feet high and 20 feet thick. Soldiers standing guard on the top of these walls could see for miles around. It was a symbol of military power and strength. The Canaanites regarded their city of Jericho as utterly (coughs) invincible. For a nomadic tribe that the Israelites were, who had spent 40 years living in tents, there could be no more hope of victory than the hope you might feel over the strongholds that stand tall in your life today. But God brought it down. Walls that had stood for centuries collapsed. Maybe there are things that have stood in your life for time immemorial. God can bring them down. Sometimes I have the joy of ministering to uh, people and see God bringing strongholds down in, uh, in, in their lives. Strongholds that have held people for years for decades things that have begun in the earliest days of their lives but god can bring them down sometimes things that have affected whole families even a family line god brings strongholds down god can do in your life what he did to jericho and it's obvious i know but just to make sure we don't miss it it was god who brought this stronghold down and not anybody else. It's obvious, but hear the full force of these verses for a moment, and it'll be a useful recap for when you study uh, this chapter in your small groups, or at least talk a little uh, about it. I have delivered Jericho, says the Lord. Even before it happened... When God says something, you can be so confident about it that even before it's actually taken place, you can say that it's true because God never tells a lie. God never fails to keep his promise. This was something God was going to do. And then God did it using such a ridiculous method that it could only possibly be God who brought it about. At the heart of their attack formation was a procession employing the most well-known wartime strategy, trumpet-blowing. The armed guard marched ahead, but at the centre of this procession were the priests who blew their trumpets. All this time the trumpets were sounding. The priests were responsible for the worship of God. The trumpets that they used would have been the instruments that they used in their worship. This was the worship band doing an extra bit of curricular activity out on the battlefield. Normally before a battle, you are, through propaganda, promoting your own strength. In their worship, they promoted the strength of their God. And notice too that the ark was right in the middle. The ark, the symbol of God's presence. We might have expected them to have their latest whizzy weaponry gadget there in the middle of their procession to terrify the Canaanites. No, they didn't have one, but God was there. In the middle, this was his battle. This was his doing. And then remember all the numbers seven. Seven days walking around. On the seventh day, go seven times. Seven priests blowing seven trumpets. Seven, the number of perfection. This was about what God was going to do in his perfectness, not about what man was going to do. It is God who brings strongholds down. And there's this lovely verse in the New Testament that comments on these stories. It says, For everything, well, the fuller text is for everything that was written in the past, referring to the Old Testament, referring to these stories, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. What do we learn from the story of Jericho? We learn that God can deliver us from strongholds. Everything was written. To teach us. To teach us that even if the stronghold looks tall and powerful, that even if it's been there year after year, God himself can bring it down. And the consequence of learning that for us is in the rest of that verse. So that you and me, having learned from the stories in the past, might have endurance and the encouragement of Scripture. Through those things, we might have hope in our lives. Maybe you'd come to church this morning and you have no hope. You've given up hope of these things ever being sorted. I want to say this story Jerica, uh, Joshua chapter 6, the fall of Jericho is a story to give you hope. Doesn't matter how tightly shut. Or how towering God brings strongholds down. But he seeks our cooperation. He wants to work with us in this journey of bringing strongholds down in our lives. And I want to suggest three ways this morning that God wants to work with you and with me to bring these strongholds down in our lives. We work with God to bring down strongholds in our lives, firstly, by being obedient, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't make sense. The Lord asked them to do something rather outrageous. You do not conquer cities with priests and trumpets. You know that, don't you? Feel for Joshua for a moment. He's a young leader. He's gone to God for the battle plan. God gives him the battle plan. It's his job to convince the people. Well, it's a bit like this, guys couple of trumpets, couple of priests, bit of a walk, seven days long walk. And when you're really tired, after the seventh day, after walking around, then the battle will go, a bit like this, boys. And you can imagine them going, oh, I'm not sure we can do that. For some people, the hardest thing would have been in verse 10, I think it is, do not say a word. Imagine the people of God going, how can we go for seven days without saying a word? You can imagine the trumpeters going, what's your, oh, what are we going to play? Oh, I don't like that one. That one's too slow. That one's too fast. Oh, we haven't got the music for that one. And someone at the back going, if they play Shine, Jesus, Shine, one more time, I'll scream. (laughs) Poor Joshua. So the first day, they head out. priests priest blasting away, Shine, Jesus, Shine. Oh, your goodness, man. Here we go. All the people of Canaan standing on the walls to see what ridiculous sight this is going on below. They walk around the city not quite sure how big the city was at this stage. Probably took them about an hour to walk around. Then back to camp. Next day, same again, blowing the trumpets. We've had that one before, play a different one. Kumbaya. <laughs> the next day. The next day. Everyone's getting a bit fractious, so they start playing grind us together, Lord, you know? And then on the seventh day, they've got to walk around seven times. People have seven hours of walking can imagine, oh no, my kids would be beside themselves by now. Just a little walk, boys and girls, come on, off we go. We've been here before that, I know, seven times, here we go. Are we being sponsored? No. It's a bit muddy. I wore these clothes because I thought it wouldn't rain. Seven times, and they're all exhausted, all totally fed up, the trumpets are still blasting, and Joshua goes, after all of that, give the shout, and then we'll start the battle. <gasps> heck. Imagine how they'd feel seven hours of furlees on the trumpet. Why was it so weird? Well, I guess just to make sure the people could never boast that they'd done it themselves. You imagine it, after that night the blokes go down the pub, men being men, ah, Jericho, piece of cake, we gave him a bit of this and a bit of that all over in moments. They'd been the talk of the whole country, marching silently round. Almost humiliated, if you like. Are we prepared to be obedient even when it seems ridiculous to us? If you want some of those strongholds in your life to come down, you've got to be ready to do some things that don't make sense. One such thing that we need to be ready to do that doesn't make sense to us most of the time is to forgive Behind many of the strongholds in our lives is unforgiveness. Nine out of ten times in ministering to people is unforgiveness to work through to see people come through to freedom. And at first we're all resistant to it. Forgive? It doesn't make sense. It's as stupid as marching around Jericho. Why on earth would I want to forgive someone? Why should I forgive? He deserves it. If she'd done that to you, you wouldn't say forgive. Look at what they've done. How can I let them off the hook? Every bit of our human nature cries out, no, I won't let go. I won't let them off. He or she deserves it. Forgiveness, ridiculous. Play a different tune. But I tell you this. It might not make much sense to your deep inner uh, call for justice, but forgiveness is the dynamite that so often raises strongholds in our lives to the ground. Forgiveness releases God's power in an extraordinary way. You can work with someone for a long time, and you can bring them with the love and the encouragement of Jesus to a place of saying, I'm ready to forgive that person. I'm ready to let go. And maybe it's taken ages, but when forgiveness flows, liberation comes very quickly in my experience. However justified you feel today, however stupid, however unfair, however pointless, however unnecessary it feels to forgive someone, you will not be well if there's forgiveness in your heart. That's what God says in his Word. That's why after the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus goes back to the bit about forgiving, because it really, really matters. Maybe God's saying to some of you this morning, if you want your stronghold to be raised to the ground, you've got to let that person off the hook. Parent, child, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, friend, work colleague. You've got to let them go. I can't. I can't. I promise you with Jesus, you can. The one who had nails driven into his wrists, and he said, Father, forgive them. He can do that in you. And it's liberating. And as you do, a great stronghold will fall. Another weird thing, seems sometimes for us to do, another act of obedience that doesn't make sense, or at least often doesn't make sense to many of us, is to believe what God says about us, rather than what we say about ourselves. It is to accept our true worth. Sometimes at exhibitions or at theme parks you get those weird mirrors. You know the ones I mean? And you look in them and you look really tall and thin or you look short and fat or there's the one with the big head and the small body and you're just praying that's not the normal one as you're going through these mirrors. Imagine if you had only ever seen yourself through one of those crooked mirrors. So every mirror you looked in was distorted, although you didn't know it. And every photograph someone took of you was, uh, had applied to it the same distortion, although no one ever told you. After a while, you would believe that that's just the way you looked. Most of what we learn about ourselves is reflected not by a mirror, but by others. And when people reflect the truth that we are loved, that we are precious that we are of infinite worth, then no problem. But what if the significant people in our lives reflect back to us by what they say and their attitude towards us? What if they reflect back something different? What if they reflect to us that we're not very precious, that we're not very important, that we don't matter very much, that, we're not, that we don't have much value? Believe you me, it's not very long before we begin to believe that it's true. And so we've come to believe things in our lives that aren't true because of the way others have treated us. And believing these wrong things is another major attitude that lies behind many of the strongholds in our lives that stop us moving more fully into God's promise. The ideas that we are loved and precious, valued and of infinite worth, for some people just don't make sense. Little in their lives has ever suggested that it was true. And to ask them to begin to live with their heads held high as someone valued and loved and significant can seem for them as much folly as walking around the walls of Jericho. To begin to accept that what God says about you is true is for some an act of sheer obedience against their own better judgment. It just doesn't seem in their experience to make any sense. It is taking God at his word even when we don't understand it. And that's what these Israelites are having to do. They're having to take God at his word even when it made no sense to them. All my life i felt undervalued. I've, I've not felt worth very much. I've felt less than others, looked down upon. And the way I think, the attitudes in my heart, the way I behave, often reflected. But now, I'm going, beginning with guts and determination, to begin to believe what God says about me is true. I'm going to begin to accept that when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't for everybody else, but it was because I am precious to him. And I'm choosing to live in that truth. It might not make sense, but it begins as an act of obedience in believing what God says, however absurd it feels. And that act of obedience, believe you me again, is a very powerful beginning to see many of these strongholds in our lives fall to the ground. the People worked in cooperation with God then, by being obedient even when it doesn't make sense. But secondly, they worked in cooperation with God by being open even about their weaknesses. We work by being open about our weaknesses. You see, normally when an enemy attacks, they stay well hidden. Firstly, for the element of surprise, but also in order that the enemy might think they are bigger and stronger than they actually are. But instead of that, These Israelites have to walk silently around the city in broad daylight, this crowd of unskilled nomadic people whose fiercest weapon was their trumpet. Now, up close and personal, the great wall of Jericho is towering over them. They could no longer ignore it. They could no longer act as if Jericho was not a problem. These walls are huge. As they got up close, they could no longer act as if they could conquer this city by themselves. Their inability to do it for themselves was plain for them and for all to see. Their weakness was completely exposed. They could do nothing. There was no one out around this city wall to turn to accept God. No one to trust except his sovereign power. And one of the reasons our strongholds remain so strong is that A, we're afraid to admit that they exist, and B, we're equally afraid, sometimes more unwilling, to admit that we're powerless to do anything about them. They had to admit Jericho was there. And they had to recognise that they were powerless to bring it down. And maybe that's the sober judgement that was settling upon them as they walked day after day around this city. But we're not good at admitting that we've got strongholds in our lives that have power over us. And we're even worse at admitting that our own ability to deal with them is simply not enough. Not only do we fool others, but we put a lot of effort sometimes into fooling ourselves. And the longer we keep these things hidden, the stronger their hold on us becomes. Sometimes people say to me, "There's something I need to say. There's something I haven't told anybody, maybe for several decades, maybe ever. And admitting it even to me in the privacy and the confidence of that moment is a really hard thing to do. To actually say it out loud, to own up to it. It's often extremely hard, very painful. It feels humiliating shameful, guilty even. But I know that in those moments of owning our weakness, in that place of brokenness, in that acceptance of things that have had power over us, it's that place that God's saving, healing power really can come. And as people have wept in my study or in their homes over things that have lain well hidden, I've come to see the words of the Apostle Paul in a powerful and wonderful way. He says in 2 Corinthians, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Why delight in weaknesses? They're hurtful, they're painful, and and so often they have held our lives back for so long. Why? Well, he explains why, quoting the words of Jesus. He says, because of what Jesus says about his grace being and his power being made perfect in weakness. You see, when our weaknesses are opened up, Christ's power can flow in and through them. And so Paul says, having understood this, therefore I'm going to boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. I will be open about my weaknesses. I'm not going to keep them shut up and locked away anymore. Why? Because when I'm open about them, Christ's power comes and rests on me. And so he goes on, that's why for Christ's sake I delight in my weaknesses and therefore when I am weak then I am strong. As those Israelites walked beneath the shadows of the walls of Jericho, there was nothing left for them to boast in. Nothing left except their weakness and God's power. It's at that moment, it's in those places that strongholds fall. Okay, so we work in cooperation with God to bring down strongholds in our lives by obedience even when it doesn't make sense, by being open even about our weaknesses, and finally now by persevering even when we can't see what's happening. Think what they had to go through. Day one they walk around the walls feeling really stupid and vulnerable. After day two and three, surely doubt would have begun, or if not become, overwhelming. This is ridiculous. No signs of decay in the walls. No little gestures of God's activity. No hint that uh, this ludicrous activity was paying off. If only we could see God loosening the bricks just a little, perhaps we'd keep going. But they couldn't see a thing. What a tragedy, though, if they'd given up on day four, don't you think? What about getting to day five and then jacking it in? What about going round six times on day seven and then saying, oh, I'm out of here, and truddling back to the camp? It was their perseverance that brought this stronghold down. And my experience that this is true in our lives, people start with God's help, dealing with strongholds in their lives, they take the lid off, they begin to own up, they begin to lift it up for God, to reach out for his purpose and his power, and suddenly with the lid off, it all seems worse than ever. Just like it did for these Israelites, up really close to these walls that were so big and strong, it seemed worse than ever as they trudged around those days. How easy it would have been to say, I'm out of here, I'm going home. Who could have blamed those Israelites right up to those walls for losing faith in what God could do? Where was God as this fortress towered over them? But they stuck at it. They stayed with what God was doing, obedient even when nothing was happening. Round and round they went and suddenly after the 13th trip round the walls, it all came down. No one will blame you if when you get up close to your stronghold, the sight becomes overwhelming. And no one will blame you for walking away. But it won't bring that stronghold down. It won't bring that stronghold down. For everything that was written, that verse again, in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. Don't give up. Please don't give up. Keep going with what God is doing. And if you have given up, Maybe you gave up last week, maybe you gave up 35 years ago. If you have given up, get going again today with the God who called you out of your camp to take on in his name the strongholds that stop you moving further into his promise. And suddenly, suddenly maybe when you least expect it, suddenly the walls of your stronghold will begin to give way. And with a crash, they will fall to the ground. And you can rush in a whole lot further into the place of God's promise. Let's pray. Maybe God's been speaking to you today. And you know that it's just time to say enough's enough. For too long, there's been this stronghold. Looked at it, danced around it, kept away from it, tried to deny it, spent energy avoiding it. But you know in your heart, today is the day to put a line in the sand and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to work with him to bring this stronghold down. If God has been speaking to you today, And today's that day to say, in the name of Jesus, I want to stand against that stronghold. It's time for it to come down, that I might move deeper into God's purpose. Then with everybody's eyes closed, heads bowed, I'm going to ask you to stand. And in standing, you're simply saying, in Jesus' name, I'm going to stand, beginning today, against this stronghold. I'm going to walk around it, trusting in God until it comes down. Would you stand? I'm not going to have some long, protracted moment, but if that's you, would you just stand? God bless you, those that are standing. Everybody else, eyes closed, head bowed. Let's honour one another. Those that aren't standing, they're either not standing because they're dealing with their strongholds or because they're not. So those of you who are standing can be totally at ease. Oh God, we pray for those who are standing now. And may their stand this morning simply mean that in Jesus' name they will stand against their stronghold. And we recognize that as we stand this morning, we don't know everything that that means. We don't know all that we'll need to do. But we're willing to work in cooperation with God to see it come down. To be obedient even when it doesn't make sense. To be open about its presence and our own weakness. But to keep going. To keep going until it falls, that we might work And walk more fully into God's promise.